turned 50, y'all, and I started a podcast. Really, age is just a number. It comes down to how we choose to live and the choices we make in our life, and those things accumulate. Don't let the programming of life keep you from doing things every single day that, that make you happy. When we feel good, it's easy to think good. Life is not happening to you. You are your life. You are happening to your life. I turned 50, y'all, and I started a podcast. And I'm going to tell you my story. And I have my emotional support friend in the room, Ashley. So um, you may imagine I'm talking to somebody, and that's kind of who's here helping me. Um it felt a little strange to talk to an empty room. So I turned 50. I'm starting a podcast. Um, it's an opportunity for me to share some stories about my life and my perspective of my life and how I'm doing and where I'm going. And it allows me to talk about myself for hours on end into a microphone. And so, yes, I'm a little bit blissed out about it. So I don't know if, I, I don't know if I've ever told you the story, but it was like a couple months ago, I was at my physical therapist. And she is, I think, in her early 30s. And she's got this group of women that she's really close with that she went to college with. And they're all like pregnant or having babies or getting married and all of that. And she's really close with them. And she was sharing with me um, that one of her friends who just had a baby, and she she flew out there to, to see the baby. And she said that when she saw this child and held this child, that she had this love for this little being that she never knew that she could feel that way about a child. And my first thought was, oh my God, this isn't even your kid, you know? And, but then, and, and, and then also that that was really beautiful and, you know, and then the next thought I ha had was how, when I was born or when most children are born, their parents um, and specifically, I was thinking about my mom, how she must have felt, or maybe she might have felt when I was born or, or when she was pregnant, that she felt a different love, you know, um, and, and thought about, you know, having a life now, having this child and having, you know, this life that you were in charge of and responsible for, for, you know, for at least 18 years, I guess. And just that expansion. And then it flipped back to me that, oh my God, I'm 50. And this feeling that my physical therapist is having about her little, let's say, niece or goddaughter, her friend's child, my mom might have had that about me 50 years ago. And like, holy shit, that's a long time ago. And I can't believe I'm 50 years old and I mean, my mom's dead and that, you know, and so this cascade of revelations that there's, you know, more time, way more time probably behind me that there is in front of me. And, and this realization of how quickly life goes by and it, it's this, clarity that comes, this sober clarity that comes that this experience is limited, you know, and, and certainly nothing's guaranteed. Not even the next day is guaranteed. Um, and so I, I, I think that was, you know, a really defining moment for my realization about just the fine, the, the finiteness of, of life, which, you know, I'm trying to my best to transform that into gratitude and appreciation and excitement. And, you know, that's why we're here. That's why I'm here is that this is part of my transformation um, and, and appreciation of the time I do have. The other 
um, element that kind of creates a sense of urgency for me, and it has for a very long time, is I've lost both my parents to pancreatic cancer. And my my father, my biological father, um, he died when he was 49 years old. So I was, I believe, 22 at the time. And um, it was, you know, surprising. And, you know, of course, you don't ever expect your parent, you know, I think it's always difficult to lose a parent, but you don't certainly don't expect it when you're 22 years old that your your parent, one of your parents, is gonna get sick and die. I mean, from the time that um, he told me he was sick to the time he died was about three months, and um, I was there with him. I, you know, was there with him every day. I basically quit school for a semester and 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 went and lived with him and spent time with him. And I don't know if you could say I really took care of him, but I was there with him and, um, it was really, really challenging. And so, and then, and then my mom died when I, when I was 43, um, she was 65 of pancreatic cancer. Um, so I've now have, you know, two parents who've died of the same horrible disease. Um, and so, yeah, as I think pretty much once my mom died and, um, I'm in my mid forties and I'm just really coming to grips with nothing, you know, the, nothing is guaranteed. And I, I started, I remember on my 45th birthday, I had a bunch of friends, um, come and stay in, um, my parents' house in California had a kind of a group long weekend together. And, um, and I remember the theme or or at least the theme in my brain of the weekend was I'm dying and so are you. So we better like get the fuck on with it. We better make the most of it. Um, and ever since then, you know, this whole thing about I'm dying, you know, it's kind of morbid, but it's, it's how I'm able to confront the, well, what could be terror, you know, at, you know, the likelihood of, of also contracting or contracting, developing, um, pancreatic cancer. So I've spent most of my adult life, you know, doing things to not get pancreatic cancer, but, um, you know, there is that hereditary component that you have, you can't deny. So, that's another kind of thread that's running through this idea of um, being able to take advantage of every day that you have. Um, and along with that, in the last three years, I think the whole world has gone through incredible things with COVID. Um, but in the summer of 2019, six months before COVID, um, I got a divorce and I had been, um, married. I always get this wrong. I think it was eight years, might've been nine, but so let's call it, I was with my ex-husband for a good solid decade. And, um, I was 48 years old and I found myself getting a divorce and, um, I never thought I would be divorced. I mean, I never thought I would not be with my husband. Um, I absolutely saw the rest of my life with this person and there wasn't really any entertaining in my mind about that not happening. Um, But ultimately, after going through you know, the exercise of trying to stay together and and trying to work it out and trying to solve the problems. Ultimately, I decided to choose my happiness and to choose to save myself. That's basically what I did. I chose to save myself. And it was so hard. It was so hard to like let go of that life draft or, or, you know, and let go of my person. And I'll, I'll probably do a whole podcast on 
you know, the just going through divorce and what that looks like and or what it looked like for me, but I did it. And um it was one of those decisions where it's so it's so difficult leading up to the decision and stressful and then when you finally make the decision, it's immediately clear that that's exactly the decision you should have made. So that's what I did. I found myself in the summer of, of 2019, um, divorced. It was amicable and unchallenged. And so I was able to kind of, you know, move through, through that without any additional stress. And, um, and, and what that brought for me, that clearing, you know, the clear, I, I remember the summer I was in Reno and I was with the dogs and, and it felt like there was this wide open space around me all of a sudden and all of this energy and life force, um, that was newly available to me. And I don't know. I mean, I remember looking at it like this, this vast expanse of possibility that I could then create and make up whatever I want. Like all of a sudden, oh my God, I thought I was going to completely have this life and this is what it felt like and this is what it looked like. And then all of a sudden, I like to say, I jump timelines. I completely jump timelines and... I all of a sudden had a completely new life and a completely new possibility and, and the ability to, to, you know, make up whatever I wanted about that life. And, um, this whole time I was starting to like absorb a bunch of uh, new information. Um, I had, decided I needed to, to go get away to have a retreat at Canyon Ranch down in Tucson. And so I did that for five days and, and, um, you know, had a tarot reading, which I'm really not into, but I did it cause I was there and an astrology reading and I was hypnotized and I did water therapy and I did meditation and I did hiking and drum circles. I mean, this place is amazing if you've never been, um, and I remember I started getting into listening to podcasts at the time. And um, on the on the way down there, I listened to a couple of things, one of which was the Goop podcast, and she was interviewing Joe Dispenza. And he was talking about his new book, Supernatural. And if you – I mean, I've gone back and listened to that specific episode multiple times because it had such an impact on me hearing this man talk about the possibility of what we could do with our brain and the power we have with our brain. It, it, it literally blew my mind. I mean, I can see myself in the car where I was on the road and, and the feeling I had when I was listening to him speak. And, um, I ended up buying that book and I, and I believe I, I did read some of it. Um, while I was down in the Canyon Ranch. But the other person I started listening to that summer was Jessa Reed. And I'm legitimately obsessed with this woman. Um, she, and I, I've racked my brain over the last year or so, trying to, or even two years, just trying to remember how I ever got or ever became aware of her or her podcast. Um, she's on her third podcast, but she, the, her first podcast was, um, Mormon and the meth head. So she's a former methamphetamine addict and, um, she's also a comedian and she, she had this friend partner person who was a, a former Mormon who was also a comedian. Anyway, they had this podcast where they talked about all kinds of things. Um, and then she had started her own podcast called Soberish um, that started off as kind of an addiction recovery podcast, but then really turned into 
uh, personal transformation, um, you know, mind expansion, um, alien, you know, consciousness podcast. And I'm trying to remember if I started with Mormon and the meth head, if I started with soberish and why would I start with soberish? I mean, why would I have, I, I, I don't remember. I don't remember, but, um, I listened to dozens and dozens and dozens of episodes of uh, Mormon and the meth head. And then at some point I just switched to soberish and listened to all of those. And this woman is one of the most fascinating people I've ever encountered in my life. And, um, the concepts that she was discussing, um, and articulating about, again, consciousness, about who we are, about the access we have to ultimate, um, abundance and creativity and life force and, and, ascension and energy and, um, was, was incredibly transformative for me at the time of, of, you know, this space of openness and possibility that I, that I had created for myself. So I set that in motion. I set that in motion by making the decision to leave the marriage and create this new life. And then I had this vast open space of possibility and I'm able to listen to, to Jessa. And she's basically putting words and explanation to what is happening to me. So it's like, oh my God. And that's where I got the, the language of jumping timelines was from her. And, and, and that's what I feel like I did. And that's what I now know we 100% have access to, which is jumping timelines, you know, completely changing, um, the trajectory that we're on. Um, at any given time, it's big, little, big, small, and everything in between. We have the ability to do that, um, that we have that access and that power. So that was hugely transformative for me and inspiring. I jumped a timeline. And, you know, again, I was, I was listening to, to a lot of different podcasts. Uh, and I, I was at the time I had moved out of the house I was living in, um, and moved, in to a different location, um, in Scottsdale. And I, I ended up moving in with, um, my hairdresser at the time, my hairstylist at the time, and also my, my dog nanny really, who's, who's became my friend, but it was, it was me, my dog nanny, my hairstylist and my three dogs basically in this, in this town home in, um, in Scottsdale, Arizona. And, it was like three's company. It was like three's company. And we, I think we moved in the beginning of December of 2019. And we just, we were having the best time. And we would sit around and, and make food and we would make martinis and, you know, go out to dinner and have all kinds of fun and do all of these things. And, and, um, we would have amazing conversations. So my hair stylist was, a, he's a gay man and my, um, my friend and my dog nanny, and I'll explain the dog nanny. I'll explain the dog nanny. I had three dogs and one of them is blind and two of them each had surgery twice on their, on their knees in a, like a year period. And my old dog, Howie was 17 years old, completely senile in a diaper. And I'm just telling you, if there was ever a case for a dog nanny, it was my case. So don't judge. It's a real thing. And she lived with me and I love her. She saved my life and we became great friends. I consider her family, but, um, she's Hispanic. So I have this adorable, young, sweet Hispanic woman and this, this big, burly, um, gay hairstylist, you know, so much fun. And the three of us just were partying our ass, party, partying our asses off basically all winter long. 
and, you know, talking about all kinds of things. And so anyway, we thought, oh, we'll start a podcast. I want to start a podcast. I'm like, we should record these things. I had this big round dining table in the, in the, in the dining room and we would sit around the table and, um, we'd have these conversations. We'd go on hikes together, the three of us, and we'd have these conversations. We'd be in the car together and we'd have these conversations. And I'm like, and just the three different perspectives, um, from three completely different, you know, ages, genders, you know, sexual orientations, you know, everything, um, was, was an in, three interesting, in my opinion, perspectives. So I bought the podcast equipment. We were writing the outlines. We, um, we, you know, we were doing it and we even tested, um, we even had a couple of tests that we did. And then during this time, COVID hit, right? So this is December, this is January, this is February. And of course, by the end of February, the beginning of March, we're hearing about what's going on with COVID. So now we're into 2020. And also I had started dating somebody. Um, I had been dating and, and I had met someone that was, you know, I was dating not more than once. <laughs> and, um, and then COVID hit. All of a sudden COVID hit and nobody was going to work. And we were basically on a curfew in, in, um, Arizona. It wasn't that long of a curfew. It was only like a month or something, but, um, so everything changed. We, we ended up not recording the podcast cause we got caught, kind of caught up in what was going on in the world and, you know, kind of navigating through that and, um, doing that. So, but that was the first time that I had really gotten down the road with actually doing the podcast and recording the podcast. I felt like it was the first time I felt like I have a voice and I have something to say and I think it's pretty fucking funny and, and, and it would be fun, right? It would be fun. Like who doesn't want to, I mean, I know there's some personality types that absolutely would not want to talk into a microphone, but I mean, this personality type, I want to talk into a microphone. Like if I could walk around with a microphone, <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm not really that much, but, um, yeah, I mean, then the next thing that happened really is under COVID shutdown, we kind of all were kind of in, you know, in this little bubble together. It was me and my new boyfriend, my roommates, we had our little bubble and, you know, for me, my experience over those next six months is I was falling in love and I was completely surprised by it. I didn't, I didn't, I did not want that. I was not looking for that. Um, I did not have an intention for that, but sometimes, you know, when you clear the space, when you really, really clear the space, like I did, um, I mean that, I think that's the key. That's really the key. <laughs> it's like when it's like, it's like a, a, a universal law, right? If I clear the space and I mean, I cleared the decks, You've got this tabula rasa, this empty meadow that the universe, it just, the energy just sucks it, sucks things down into that space. And, um, and there it was, there was this, this, this man. And, um, I, I, I think I kind of fought it for a long time. Um, there's an age difference. There's a little bit of an age difference. There's a there's a 13 year age difference. He's younger, so there's that. Um, and I just did not think that that you know that I wanted to be in a relationship. But then you know then the world says, okay, not only did you clear the deck, so you've got this vast, you know, magnetic sucking situation happening that's going to pull shit into your orbit. But also, oh, by the way, we're going to shut the world down. So you basically are now in a bubble with these three people and your three dogs. So um, that's what happened. And we fell in love. And we're still in love, actually. 
And so one of the things we did while we're in that bubble is we were talking about, um, uh, specifically with my, um, with my one roommate, um, the hairstylist. Okay. We'll call my hair stylist CC or no, we'll call him CJ, CJ, CJ. Um, and my boyfriend is Jay. Um, so CJ and I started talking about this idea. It was really his idea, um, to start this app. Um, and this idea on this app was a way to be able to connect with people in, in real life, in person. And the idea was that you could be at a restaurant or a bar or hiking on a mountain and send out a signal, um, and be like, Hey, I'm on Camelback or I'm going to Camelback, or I'm at the base of Camelback, or I'm going to be going to Camelback tomorrow morning. Does anybody want to hike with me? Um, and, you know, or, or I'm sitting at, you know, Ruth's Chris's uh, bar. I'm going to be here for the next two hours. I'm interested in talking about crypto. You know, is there anybody who wants to come meet me and have a drink? Uh, you know, and, and I just, I thought it was a great idea. And, um, so uh, one of the things we did while we were in lockdown is uh, we created a business plan. So for about six months, we worked on this business plan, um, and I thought it was a great would be a great exercise to help CJ develop this idea. And it's also kind of a lesson in how to write a business plan. And. Um, Anyway, so that's what we did. And all of this to say that there's there's certain things that were happening that were amazing that I was engaged in, but they, they were pulling me away from like like doing the podcast, right? Like I had the idea, we got the equipment, we we set that aside, we started doing this business plan, or I was falling in love and we were focused on that and COVID and all of these things. Um, so we spent like six months working on this business plan um, and we didn't we didn't record anything on the podcast anymore. Um, and then, um, and then for the summer, I think I went up to Reno to spend time with my, um, family in, in Reno for the summer. So the other thing that's been happening, so now I'm, now I'm, let's see. So this is, this is 2020, the summer of 2020. And I turned 49, I turned 49 and what is happening, um, now starting in the fall and going into 2021 is my hormones start to change, right? So the title of this, this episode here is I turned 50 y'all and I started a podcast. Well, part of turning 49 and coming into 50 is going into perimenopause. Now, this is a whole subject. I'm, I mean, this is a whole like series of discussions. So I am not going to try to encapsulate the experience of perimenopause <laughs> into this discussion. But let's just say, and I'm still in it. I mean, I'm still going through it. So like, I wouldn't even be able to explain the full encapsulation of what it means to have your body start turning off levers and turning levers up and down and around and flipping the lights off and on and who knows what's going on. But, um, you know, it really does affect everything. Um, and so I'm dealing with changes in mood. I'm dealing with changes in, um, um, your body changes. Um, your hormones are changing. Um, the way you feel changes, the way you look changes. And, um, it was interesting and it's interesting, you know, going through that also with, uh, there's so much, there's so many different things that were going on at this time. I mean, to how to even put it into perspective, but, um, I noticed my hormones were changing. I could tell things in my body were changing. I was feeling differently. And so I um, started reading 
some books and somehow I came upon this book. I think it was because I was referred to it in a podcast, but Goddesses Never Age, um, Dr. Christiane Northrup, who is a like, you know, I don't know if she's world famous, but she's pretty famous. Like she literally wrote the book on women's health. And when I say she wrote the book, she's written like 10 books on women's health. And one of them is Goddesses Never Age. Another one is the... um, she has a whole book just on menopause. She has another whole separate book on just the wisdom of, of, of women's bodies. And um, I remember reading this book the summer I was in Reno and just having my mind blown, like learning about what what it's like to be a woman at this stage of my life and learning some things for the first time ever about women's bodies and women's health and women's experience. And it's, 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 it was the first in a series of revelations over the last three years of all of the information that we are not taught Mm -hmm. as humans about women's health. And and also a subset of that is women's health as they go through perimenopause and menopause, which is a whole, which is a whole subject, obviously, on its own. And so by having that as a backdrop and an inspiration and a knowledge base, that was like a jumping off point for me, feeling so inspired to kind of connect with my girlfriends um, who range most of my my core girlfriends range in the age of like 43 to like maybe 56 um and you know with a cluster right around 50 um which means we're all in menopause we're all in menopause we're all right before menopause we're in it or we're done with it but we're all in it and i'm th- thinking to myself Am I the only like um, is this is this new information that I'm learning by reading this book? Um, is this new information to me, or just like like does everybody else know this, and I'm the only one who doesn't know this? And so I think I bought like I don't know 15 copies of that book, or I don't know 10 or 15 copies of that book, and I sent it to all of my friends. I sent it to my even my aunts, as if you know, like they. I mean, I look back and go. They're having their younger niece send them this book, and they're like, you know, 15 years older than me. Anyway, I was very inspired, and when I'm inspired, I go all in. So I bought this book. I sent it to everybody, and I was like, oh, my God, this book. And then I um, I ended up separately um, living in this house in Reno that I had, I had just had for about six months. I had recently moved into this home. And there was a bunch of empty walls. It had a lot of gallery walls, a lot of white walls. And I was struggling with what to, to, to put on, on the walls for art. And I was talking with a couple of designers and I was getting ideas from friends and, you know, different ideas were coming about. But I, what I really decided was, is, is that I wanted to have these women that are in my life. I wanted I wanted them. I wanted to look at them. I wanted to look at my friends, these amazing, amazing women. I wanted them on my wall. Like I wanted to see them. And I thought, well, could I do some kind of like art shoot to where, you know, we come up with a theme and so that the pictures were, had all the same theme and you could hang multiple ones of them, you know, in a block and have it be art. And um, one of my best friends at the time um, is a photographer and an amazing photographer. And so we discussed the idea and came up with the idea that we would create a photo shoot um, experience for all of my girlfriends. Um, And I had a handful of, of friends in Reno, a handful of friends in Scottsdale, a handful of friends in California, and I believe one of my girlfriends flew in from um, St. Louis, Missouri. And so we devised this, devised and organized this um, 
photo shoot experience where we would create this scene and this experience for each woman. And um, because I had been reading this book, Goddesses Never Age, this idea of the goddess was the theme and um, we ended up calling it like the god. we're creating a goddess photo shoot. We wanted to make them feel like a goddess. We ordered crowns for the women to wear like multiple different crowns. They could pick a crown and use it in the, use it in the photo shoot. And um, we, we designed this amazing experience and we created basically a photo shoot roadshow. It was a three city tour that we, I, it was me and my photographer friend and my three dogs and all of the photo equipment and the back and the lights and the, the background and the costumes and the crowns. Oh my gosh. We started in Reno. It was amazing. We started in Reno and then we put everybody in this sprinter van. We got a driver. We drove to California and we, we, we did the photo shoot with four other women. I mean, we hired makeup artists and, um, we put out a food spread and we had music and it was like a whole thing. And, um, and I gifted each one of my friends um, the framed photo of their choice so they could hang their personal art on their wall. And then it, the idea was at the end of the experience, I was going to pick um, a photo of each of these women and hang it in my home. So we did, we did do that. We did that. And um, that was an amazing experience that we did in the fall of, God, I think that was still 2020. I don't know. I'll have to get my, I think that was 2020 because it was two years ago. Yeah, it was two years ago. Um, yeah, so that was the fall of, of 2020. And um, after that, we started, um, I or I started basically a year of travel and exploration. So it was pretty interesting. Um during that year. So my, I think we started off that fall. We went to Tulum for the first time and that was amazing. And this is, again, this is during, in the middle of COVID, right? So we've had COVID now for since February, March, all the way now we're in October. And, um, and so because we're, I mean, very lucky we, you know, and I don't know if I, I want to use the word blessed, but we're blessed. Hashtag blessed. Uh, we were able to travel and go to amazing things. And in the spring, um, we were in Mexico again. And then we went on this journey. And when I say we, it was either me and 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 my boyfriend, G, and, and our friends. And sometimes it was just G and I. Um, going into 2021, just on a travel, like that was a year of travel again, starting with October, going to Tulum and experiencing that. And then just heading into 2021, um, with really focused on travel. And, and I had been, I had it in my mind for over a year that I had wanted to go to Costa Rica and, and do ayahuasca and, I just really had this on my like visual on my brain based vision board that I wanted to do ayahuasca. It was really showing up for me. It was super clear that this is what I wanted and needed to do. And I asked G if he would be open to doing that. And he said he would. So we researched, um, different, uh, locations and, um, different experiences. And originally we decided to go to Costa Rica in March of, um, 2021 and work with this shaman who we had been referred to by two separate people. And again, and an ayahuasca is a whole nother experience that I could talk about for an hour, which I will at some point, but I was called to do it. And it is a very serious prep there's a very serious preparation leading up to an ayahuasca ceremony. If you take it, if you're going to take it seriously, or if you really want the experience that's available to you. So G and I spent about 30 days, you know, going through a detox, no alcohol, 
Um, I think we were for like 40 days for two weeks prior to our ceremony, we, um, you know, reduced our dairy, our meat consumption. Um, the last week there was no sugar, no coffee, no caffeine, no nothing, just basically whole foods, uh, and no dairy and no meat. So the last few days was vegan with no coffee. It was really, really challenging. Um, and then we got to Costa Rica, and um, at the end of the day, the the day before the ceremony, we decided not to do it. Um, there was some um, – the situation just created some anxiety about going forward with this particular um, ceremony um, in that particular location. So we ended up canceling. And just stayed in Costa Rica and had a vacation, which was amazing. But immediately we booked for um, a facility in a different location in Costa Rica for the summer. So let's see, it was four months later. uh, We traveled once again to Costa Rica, a different location, did the detox again. And um, we... We had a, we were five days in a location in, um, actually it was called Soltara. I would love to tell everyone about Soltara because they take such good care of you. Um, it was such an amazing experience. So, you know, we're, we're just, we're able to take this time and explore the world, um, and have these experiences and really expand on this kind of seeker's journey. And it was such a an amazing experience that entire year. But again, you know, instead of kind of like focusing on this this podcast project that I had been wanting to do that's been this undercurrent, this, you know, that's running in the in the background the whole, whole time, you know, life is taking you twisting and turning and you're following those where it leads. And, um, we followed it to Costa Rica twice in 2021 and we followed it to mother ayahuasca and had one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And I will tell you after that experience, I was so grateful for it, but afterwards I was clear. Yeah. I don't really see myself anytime in the near future needing to do that again. And now here we are in, um, where are we're in what what month are we in? May of 2022. So it's about a year later, and I can feel the call. Like I can feel, I can feel her calling me. And I mentioned it to G a couple weeks ago or a month ago. Like I'm I'm feeling the call to go back to Costa Rica and and sit in ceremony again. And I'm um so I'm looking forward to planning that. Um, and again, I'll can talk more about that at another time. But, um, this year, so that was 2021. And then this year, I really felt in a much more settled place in my own mind, in my own heart, in my own physical space, the relationship with G, um, in the, you know, kind of in the middle of, of 2021 got, got cemented as I finally let go of like holding, I've let go of trying to hold him at bay and kind of accepted, you know, that this relationship was good and it was nurturing and it was okay. You know, it was like, I was allowing myself to say, okay, it's okay that you're in this relationship. And, you know, other people might look at it and completely not understand it, um, or how or why it works. And all, but I finally was able to let go of that and just feel, allow myself to just feel how yummy and juicy and like nurturing and, and just, like, you know, home and grounded, it feels for me. So coming into 2022, that was like settled science, right? Like settled science. Um, and there is no settled science, by the way. 
So I'm joking when I say that. But um, at least that was a resolved in my mind where I was letting go of what I was blocking. And I was now into this secure place of what Jessa Reed would call open-handed love. And which I remain in and feels really, really good. But so since some things were settled and the travel bug had been kind of satiated and um, I, this, this, this bubbling up of the podcast started coming back and I was sharing it with G and telling him my ideas and, and what I wanted to talk about and what I wanted to do. And I had, I'll back up and say, um, also bef- last in the beginning of last summer, I had um, watched this webinar or training webinar about doing podcasts. And um, it was a couple of hours of a of people, of very educated people about producing and doing podcasts about what it's like to do a podcast. And, um, it's actually the producer uh, who's producing this podcast and, um, and a woman, uh, blue from Deja Blue podcast. She was talking about what it's like to do a podcast and her words will, ne- I'll never forget about letting go of the fears and focusing on the creativity that is in each and each one, each one of us. And that whatever your art is, whether it's painting or whether it's dancing or whether it's, um, uh, speaking or, um, I mean, any way that you want to think about being creative writing, um, or doing a podcast that there's something that's trying to come through you from the universe, from the divine, that there's something you're really just being a channel, a channel, um, for whatever is needing or wanting to come through to come through. And that my job is not to like judge it or, or harness it or, or, or do anything except to let it come through. And that, that you can do things just for the pure joy of it, just for the, the doing of it. And then I can let go of, of any idea of like outcome or, or expectation of anything other than this physical act. Like right now, this physical act, this microphone, this camera, this voice, and that by doing it, the thing, it's creating a vibration in the universe that reverberates to all other beings and raises the vibration so that, so that other people can resonate in that vibration, not even by ever hearing or seeing me, but just the act of me doing it creates a vibration that can be felt and that raises all our own vibration and that it's almost an obligation for me to, to do the thing that I'm meant to do because by, because by focusing on expanding my heart and my brain and my consciousness and my experience by, by focusing on me, that automatically has an effect on everything else. And, and, and that seeing that webinar with those two people, I knew right then and there, like, this is what I was meant to do. This is what I'm meant to do right now. Not, this is not like the crown of my life. This is what I'm, that I'm meant to do this. And so I will do this. And so it was a matter of just then creating the right time for, for this to be perfect, you know, to be the right time and the right time is now. And so that's what's happening now. And, um, I was able to reach out to, um, to Andre and, and, and 
set up this experience. And so that's what I'm doing. But I want to, I, I want to also touch base on this idea of focusing on myself, which is, you know, for me, I've spent a lot of my adult years focusing on other people through my work, through, um, getting into healthcare and naturopathic medicine and, um, yoga, you know, opening up a yoga studio and, um, helping people through the company that I worked, uh, with before, um, the wellness company. Um, my goal every day of every life, I would wake up and I'm going to help people. I'm going to help people with their health. I'm going to, I'm going to help people, um, prevent disease. I'm going to, you know, help people save money. I'm going to help people make money. I'm going to help people have more peace and all of these things. And I think that's a, a noble cause and, and it's fine to focus on other people and be in a helping profession and to help people and think we, we need people like that in the world that, that have desires and goals and, and where they're outward focus. But part of that for me, at least I realize now was a distraction. Um, it's a just your. It's a distraction from focusing on oneself, on focusing on me. It's so much easier to look at other people and other people's lives and clearly see what's missing, or 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 yeah, or what they need, right? Or or how to fix something, and. Um, and, and then it also feels good that you're helping, but what are we doing? Are we, I mean, really, is, is it anybody's job other than our own to, to work on ourselves, to, to heal ourselves? And part of this transformation leading up to turning 50 and being 50 and beyond is reminding a constant reminding of myself that I don't have to have an outward focus, that I don't have to have a focus on saving people, fixing people, helping people, that I can save myself, that I can help myself, that I can nurture myself, I can love myself, I can grow myself up, I can expand my consciousness, I can do all of the things and by doing so, I can have an impact on the vibration of the of everyone else. But I don't I don't have to distract. It's okay. Like I'm finally giving myself permission. And um, you know, I was talking to a really, really good friend of mine yesterday, and she she said that she felt like I was somebody in her life that she that I had the somebody that had really good boundaries, like you're, she said, you're like a boundary expert, you know? And I thought, wow, that's really interesting because that's not necessarily how I would have characterized myself. Um, I have felt, um, more recently that I wanted to work on my boundaries and stop people pleasing. And, um, and so actually that's been one of my new focuses is, is really, being able to say no to, especially family. Um, and, um, it's good. I mean, I feel like this is my, this is my real work right now, which is being, I was just going to say being a good daughter, being a good, but that's ridiculous. Like what is a good daughter or a good friend or a good, and that is, that is not what I'm, that is not what I want to do. I want to be a person that is working on being a little bit better every single day for myself and learning to love and understand myself a little bit more each day. And, and following what is meant for me and allowing what is wanting to come through me to come through. 
and and all of that being actually not you know like selfish in a negative way but selfish in a good way and and imagine like if every single person who had the ability to do so would focus on growing themselves up and transforming their fear and pain and triggers and hurt and wounding, transforming that and transmuting that um, into growth and breakthroughs um, and and self-love and self-care and regulating their own emotions. Our nervous system, regulating our our own nervous systems, you know, uh, I, I, I just have this, this image in my mind of a pinball machine, which is, which, and, and I feel like we're all the pinballs and every day we go into, you know, somebody slings the ball into the pinball machine and we're just banging against all these triggers, all these little things, all these little things. And if, and if you can imagine all the billions of people in the world going out into the pinball machine that is their society or their world or their life, and, and they're just banging up against all these triggers, bing, bada, bing, 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 bing. And if, and if, if every person could, could, you know, take time. And again, it's people who have the ability to, I mean, if you're, if you're focused on, you know, having enough food to eat or not, you know, if you're unhoused, you don't have a place to sleep at night, or if you, you know, you're looking for a job, obviously those things need to come first, but everyone who has the ability, who has safety and food and support and care in their lives, if we were to take that time to focus on understanding our triggers and learning how to respond and, and instead of react and having awareness about who we are and, 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 and listening to our inner knowing and trusting, you know, our, our own voice and our own inner knowing, I mean, what a place the world would be. And so I've just decided that I'm going to give myself permission to do that, to do that work. You know, it was interesting over the last couple of years when people would ask me, oh, what do you do, you know, like for a living? Like, oh, what do you do? Or what do you do with your life? What do you do with your day? You know, and, you know, first the fear would, or the, you know, the self-awareness or the, you know, self-judgment about, oh, I don't have a job, you know, or, you know, this, this feeling like embarrassed that I, I'm not out there hustling anymore because that's, that's really what happened at, when I, when I got a divorce and, and entered the summer of 2019 is I also made a decision to stop hustling. Like I just let go of the hustle. I let, I let go of all of it. And, um, and so then when people ask you, what do you do? It's like, I'm just working on myself. I'm just, I'm trying to be retired you know, and, um, it's honestly, I think the, the most important work I can be doing, not going out and getting a job and trying to make more money or starting another business, you know, try to make more money and try to, you know, it's like, I feel like I'm doing the work that needs to be done. And I'm just, it's, it's starting with the innermost core of my being and, um, so fast forward to, you know, I turned 50 last year, last summer, and turning 50 is no joke. You know, and I was talking about putting this podcast together and I was talking with my emotional support person, Ashley, and also the producer um, of this podcast. And I was just saying, you know, nobody ever looks at 50 and wants to be 50. I mean, I remember 
being every other age besides 50 and you don't necessarily want to be 50. I mean, on one hand, there was a layer of me wanting to be 50 because my father had died at 49 years old. And so being 50 at least meant that I wasn't doomed to a death at 49. But besides that, um, you don't really want to be 50. And then you find yourself at 50. And I, one thing I would really like people to know is 50 is awesome. 50 is awesome. And I also know, now that I know that 50 is awesome, I know that 60 is going to be awesome. And I know that 70 can be awesome. <laughs> It can also not be awesome, but, um, you know, I think for me, um, being an example or being, yeah, being an example of what it can be to be 50 and what life at 50 can look like, what you can be up to, what you can be learning, what you're, what you can be cracking your brain and your heart open with and what you can be experiencing and, you know, the, the knowledge and the joy and the transformation. And I feel like it's the beginning of, you know, it is the beginning of a whole new era for me. And, um, uh, and I want to talk into a microphone. I want to talk into a microphone. I, I want to talk into a microphone I'm, I'm, I am imagining that the energetic field that I am creating will, will reverberate around the earth. If somebody listens to this, um, cool. If I make you laugh, that would be really awesome. If, if, and when I finally get to interview Jessa Reed, that will be my dream come true. And I'm finally doing what I've wanted to do for, you know, the third year in a row, which is start a podcast. So I'm doing it. Here's the microphone. There's the camera. I'm talking. <laughs> mm. And I think that's it. 